Would you care to step outside? What are you doing today? Superman. I'm sorry, I'm here. You are here. The lesser of has to compels me to reveal the truth. Meow. with my Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC and RMD, the Superman and Lois edition. I am Michael Flores, your host. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC and RMD or simply Superman and Lois edition. And when you find us, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes as well as a review. All right. So in the studio today with me is David. Hello. Hello, everybody. All right. So in this episode of Superman and Lois edition. God, it's so good. We are discussing episode 13 titled Fail Safe. A lot of things came to a head in this episode. (laughs) elements that were introduced early on like superman's struggle to be very careful with his power you know he had to use control and we'll get into that because it set the groundwork for a very interesting and very real threat related to superman yes also the eradicators here finally (laughs) thunderous applause right dave thunderous applause the visual effects as talro transformed was so cool. Oh, dude, that was intense. I got some serious geek chills. And I paused at that still. Sometimes the VFX on this show, because it's on the CW and it has a lower budget, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's suspect at times. Yeah, yeah. Not all the time. And then there's a shot like that with the eradicator floating and you have those piercing blue eyes that are just glowing. Yes, It was so impactful and what a fantastic way to sell the Eradicator for the first time in live action form. Oh, dude, the only thing missing now as and Steve made the joke about it, seeing it later, wanting to see him in the visor. (laughs) I kind of want I have a gut feeling we're going to get it. Okay, Dave, I don't remember. Why does he wear a visor? Does it have to do with his eyes? Yes. Okay. It, well, then it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, going at this point, especially when that moment, I'm like, going, he's going to break out and then just randomly, he's going to find something to cover his eyes. He needs to put them on like Arnold in Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I love about it, too, is like the difference between this eradicator and the comic book eradicator is like, for me, the character of the eradicator has constantly changed in comics, but he's never reached that threat level, like to Superman level. Right. It's always been, well, cause he doesn't want to kill Superman. He doesn't want to kill Superman. That would go against his entire. Exactly. He's purpose. there to protect Kryptonian Kryptonian Legacy. heritage. Yeah. And like, it's never felt like a, uh, a viable threat, like to say like Brainiac or doomsday or Lex. He's more of an obstacle in the comics. Yeah. Here, he is a viable threat. Like, I love how they portrayed him in this in, in this series. We'll see. We'll see, Dave, if he's going to be a threat. Because they're building up a lot of empathy for Talro at the same time. 
Because oh, especially I'm, with the flashbacks. Yes. Yeah. I'm torn when it comes to this character because I can understand why he does certain things. Why he does the things he does is it actually makes sense. To listen, yeah, he's he's warped and he's messed up, but he's also been indoctrinated since he was a child mm-hmm. by his evil father. I feel like the real evil is his father and Tal Rowe is simply a victim of abuse. Yes. That is absolutely a testament to the writing. Oh, easily. And yeah. it's a common trope within DC comics. You're giving us those complicated villains. It's not always just, Hey, I'm all bad. I'm evil. Usually there is a grounding element to these characters, to these villains to help us understand why they are the way they are. And we're going to get into that as well. Uh, Lois takes Superman to task for taking himself to task. <laughs> by keeping what project 11, 11, three, seven. Is that what it is? Or seven, seven, three, one, whatever. Yeah. It it's basically yeah. Kryptonian weaponry. Yeah. And at first dude, I really thought, well, this is being like really redundant for that character, but in no, all I, honesty, I worked. it worked yeah. at the end of the day when at least they, it wasn't a one-sided argument between Lois and Clark. Clark legitimately, you have that really great moment. I think it's one of the best character moments of development for Clark. It's one of his better scenes. It's one of his better scenes when he explains to Lois, like the secret that Superman has always kept Yeah, about withholding his powers. And it goes back to like what a lot of people have always wondered about the mythos and the characteristic of Superman. It goes back to like that one, uh, one scene that, I mentioned earlier in the season that I hope that they connect with, which is from one of our favorite movies, Kill Bill volume two. And it's the whole talk about how Superman views humanity and the fact that he views humanity as kind of fragile, kind of weak. So hence he has to pull back. He has to withhold himself. And that's what characterizes his interpretation of Clark Kent. Yeah. And I love the fact that in this episode, we got that confirmation that I've always felt that that is the one thing that any comics of Superman should really emphasize on. Because when they do in comics, especially like a comic like Superman, uh, All-Star Superman, when they did do that story of how Superman views everything and how what it means to be Superman. Yeah. That's when it really shines through. That's when you get really good Superman storytelling. Well, it's pretty evident that every single writer in that room did their due diligence and they researched Superman. Yes. Because everything feels real. It feels very in sync with what we know of Superman while at the same time being unique for the purposes of adaptation to television. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so also the Kent boys are at it again, skipping school to hang out with some girls. Who wouldn't? (laughs) Let's be honest. And Lana and her loser husband are still struggling as the town continues to turn their back on them. Well, I'm glad that we continued that storyline, though. Well, yeah, of course. uh, It seemed to me like in the last episode that they were going to try to nip it in the bud. Yeah, well, they The family came together and everything's hunky-dory now. But I'm glad that basically this writing... This writing staff, dude, every single episode keeps encouraging me with 
Yeah. Just all the right things that they're doing as a writing staff with their script and making sure that nothing gets wasted. Nothing. And you can't waste Lana. You know, you can't bring in a major player in the Superman world and not do anything with her. <laughs> so I do like what they are doing with her in this or what they did with her in this episode. I've been kind of, you know, on edge. I haven't disliked what they've done with the family. I've actually enjoyed it and I understand what they're doing. They're drawing parallels between Lana's family and uh, Lois and Clark's Lois and family. family. And it's worked uh, in a lot of in a lot of big ways to help flesh out more subtle ideas, you know, ways that help keep the narrative cohesive and it aligns and creates synergy with the various storylines. So I understand what they're doing. I just don't like her husband. But luckily, it seems like the attention has shifted to Lana Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that as well. It's it's weird for me because I'm with you. I don't I still don't like Kyle, but like I don't mind his story. I just don't like him. This is this is the first episode where I kind of felt sorry for him. Ah, fuck him. Because, like, fuck especially... <laughs> Dude, the, the guy takes out all his aggression on his wife and his absolutely. kids. Absolutely. He that's, is an asshole. He's an asshole. But, like, that scene in the diner where he's trying to have a moment with Lana and then his work buddies come in and basically start harassing him about, you know, his leave of absence... And you, you suddenly see him vulnerable for the first time because yeah. it's kind of like it, it reminded me that basically this this guy just made a decision he thought was was doing right, right. even though it was wrong. Listen, even though it was wrong, Lana needs to find a vein and go buy some heroin <laughs> and just inject him because he needs to fucking chill out. He needs to chill. He is so high strung yeah. and he makes everything worse. And he makes it worse. All right, so we're going to be getting into all of that and more. But first, get more from us and other hosts on Rainman Digital by subscribing to our Patreon page. When you join our Patreon page, you help us stay on the air and you get more content. When you pledge just $5 a month, you will gain access to hundreds of hours of additional geek-centric podcasts, including an upcoming discussion and breakdown that David and I are doing on Superman Red and Blue, as well as the upcoming Superman vs. Lobo. And you're only going to hear that by subscribing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital. All right, so let's get started with the Clark stuff first. Okay. Because what they are doing with Superman is everything we've been advocating for years. Focus on the real person behind Superman. I don't buy into the whole thing that Superman isn't interesting because he's not relatable. That's an excuse that poor writers make. Yeah. And fans that are apologists, you know, apologists fans. It's getting, it's Brian does it. Brian Smith, one of our hosts on the network is a big Superman fan. And Mm he says this quite a bit. And there was a time several years ago where I might have agreed with him, but because I there was a time where I left, I quit reading Superman. But over the years, I've picked it back up and and I'm looking at it less through the eyes of a young man reading Superman and more of a critic. And you start realizing that there are tons of things you can do with this character to make him relatable. The writers are just not doing it. Yes. 
And this show is doing it. They have grounded Superman in the familiar by way of family strife and personal struggle. And now they did it again by creating a simple moment between Clark and Talro. Talro knows what it feels like to let yourself be who you are with no need to control yourself. Superman has always been a person that has had to hold back since he was a child. As he mentioned in this episode, he knew because of his father that he needed to work on control. So he's never experienced the full potential of his power. And now that he has, he's afraid of himself. He's afraid of what he might do. Yes. He's afraid that he could lose himself because he did like the feeling of being able to let go. That is a very human flaw. And that's why it's relatable. I think most of us, most of us can understand the need for control, the need to be ourselves, the need for true freedom. And that's something sadly, when you think about it, Superman can never do that unless he wants to fly into space and, and be free out there and just shoot laser beams out of his eye and, and be all powerful <laughs> all out powerful. in space. But the moment he's on Earth with his kids, he has to be aware that he could kill someone by simply tapping them on the back. On the back. <laughs> so using that, I feel like it's fantastic. It's a great way to frame Superman's humanity uh, not just because of his flaws and that desire for, for, you know, power, but, or the feeling of power, but also the fact that it frames him as an imperfect person that doesn't want to make a mistake accidentally. And from a writing perspective, I totally dig that as well, because I started to feel like the first half of the season, and we talked about this a few episodes ago, I started to feel like the first half of the season was feeling like a distant memory. Yeah, but here they are bringing us right back to an aspect from early on about Superman exercising control because one bad day, as he said, could destroy all the trust he's built between himself and humanity. And I was getting a little frustrated because that element had kind of disappeared and it was a big part of the opening quarter of the season Mm -hmm. about, you know, they connected it to teaching his son how to control his power. And it was such an awesome aspect to the show because it gave us a version of Superman we've never seen before. A guy who who has to, on the regs daily, has to hold himself back. Hey, listen, I have bad days. I get angry. But I can't act on that anger. Yeah. And they brought it back again and doubled down by making him... Go to General Lane and tell him, do not get rid of Project 7734. Yeah, that was... And and then to lead it into the discussion between him and Lois, it brings it solidly to the forefront, the problem that Superman has. And they needed to bring this back, Dave, because... And tell me if you agree, and then I'm trying to segue back to you. Lois has been stealing the show. Oh, easily. And that hasn't been a bad thing. The show is titled Superman and Lois, so they have leeway. If it was titled Superman and Lois was being given all this awesome stuff, I might have some problems with that. But the show from the very conception was always going to be Superman and Lois. 
but Lois is so fucking good at the, the actor that she has stolen the show. But this episode highlighted Superman. Yeah. And allowed us to see his problems and his challenges. I think this was his episode for sure. Oh, easily, easily. And this is probably the best that I've seen where uh, Tyler, uh, I keep promoting Hotchlin. This is his best episode I've seen in regards to his acting. Yes. They spotlighted him. They spotlighted him perfectly. And, and, the moment that he has with Lois where he talks about keeping this really deep secret inside of him that he's been controlling his powers for nearly 40 years. Yeah. And that's a big thing. That's the, you know, in regards to Lois and Clark and relationships, I love the fact that they made this part of their growth together. That, Clark is finally telling Lois, this is what it's been like for the past 40 years of my life with you. I've had to hold my powers back. And, you know, it may not sound like a major thing to us, but in actuality, when you think it's psychologically, it's a major thing. You think he's holding back? Relationship. You think he's holding back when he's having sex too? He's like, oh, I can't really do, <laughs> no, my, no. Whole, the funny really part, do my thing. The funny part, I hate to say it. I was thinking the same thing yeah. when he was talking about well, I was like, well, don't hold back, please. I don't want to bust through your head. I want all your power in me. <laughs> in you, in her, it might blow up her uterus, man. Yeah. Nah, she's powerful. She can take it. <laughs> she can take Just it. lace her, uh, you know, vaginal walls with like kryptonite. She has to it, wear a kryptonite it, uh, condom. Yeah. What are those things that ladies wear? Dams? Do they still wear those? Or is that like the 80s thing? You know, the <laughs> contraceptive? It's called a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a dam. <laughs> Holds in the semen. Ugh, that's so disgusting. That just sounded really bad. Yeah. So, yeah, re- realizing that the world needs a solution mm-hmm. if he does go dark side, the fact that he actually understands that, it says a lot about him as a person. And yeah. it shows how much he truly does care that he's willing to put his family and himself in harm's way in order to make sure. They can take him out if yes. something happens. Because at the end of the day, that's what makes Superman great. He's he's yes. the guy that is the ultimate good guy. He knows that there are sacrifices to be made as a hero. And he's the epitome of being a hero. You know, it's like the it's pretty much the opposite of what everyone says. You know how to make Superman uh, more, more uh, interesting? Turn him into Homelander. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting, but it ruins the whole point of Superman because the whole basis of Superman is he is the epitome of a good hero and good heroes know that sometimes sacrifices have to be made. And I, the thing I really appreciated about this episode, Clark was the one who made the call. It wasn't anybody else that forced their hand that said that it wasn't irons. It wasn't, you know, general lane that said, no, we got to keep these weapons no matter what. And this is why it was Superman. Superman was able to explain that he understands. He understands now what general lane feels, what, what, uh, irons feels, especially the story between Clark and irons in this episode was interesting because we finally are getting to see 
as strange as it sounds, almost kind of like a relationship you would expect Superman and Batman to have in like world's finest. Yeah. And it feels like that, that that's what they're gearing for. That yeah. irons is the stand in for Bruce. Well, Yes, they're taking a little bit from column A, a little bit of from column B. B. And yeah, because I actually, I actually put that in my notes. They they just borrowed from the Superman Batman relationship from the comics. You know, Batman being the one that has the failsafe and Superman's trust. Yeah, we've seen this in comic books where that, he tells Batman, "Take me out if you need to." Yeah, you know, and it, it's cool because, like, at that point, especially in the point of this this season. Irons has moved past that. And now yeah, he Superman, was actually uncomfortable. Yeah. And now yeah. Superman is asking him, hey, in all honesty, if uh, as a fail safe, if something goes bad, yeah, go ahead. Take me out. That's some deep level trust that Superman has for Irons now. And, you know, when you think about it, it's it's just it's justified. Yeah. He had the opportunity to kill him. And what did he do? He gave Superman the benefit of the doubt, which then now shows Superman that he can trust this guy, that he's not just going to take him out on a whim. Yeah. It's going to have to be something major to take him out. That's why I I love that final. There was a, a line between Clark and Irons where basically Clark tells Irons that he can move on from this, but still he can protect the world doing his duty. Yeah. I love it. That, that was awesome. It was so good. And, it, and at that moment after that, I'm like going, they're really trying to push irons and Clark is kind of like that world's finest duo. Listen, let's do it. I'm okay with that. Jer- uh, John irons is awesome. John irons in this the series character. Steel awesome. is awesome. And yet we've never been able to see a really good version of steel. The concept of the character has always been cool. But they're they're making him so much better here in this show than we've ever seen him in comics. Yeah. And I'm oh no no, I hundred percent agree with you in that. I'm very excited to see where this goes. And I was giddy, David, when they teamed up in the episode. I was like, Oh yes. This is awesome. <laughs> and then they gave each other dap. <laughs> oh, good job. Yeah, I like it. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. So that is something to look forward to for sure. I do not believe John Irons is going anywhere at this point. If they were not to, if they were to, if they were to not bring him back for season two, that would be a huge miss opportunity. Which is, uh, I agree with you because like if they were to, it doesn't make sense with a lot of the breadcrumbs that they've been laying around having irons connect to this world. Right. Because at this point, I'm guessing that they're going to push the fact on John Irons. His story is he has to integrate himself into a world that's familiar to him, but it's not his. Yeah. Especially with the element that they keep bringing up that, oh, are you going to visit your sister from this world? And it's like, I can understand Irons Irons feelings. I'd be kind of weirded out, too. It's it is my sister, but it's not my sister. Yeah. You know? Oh, you're not my sister. I'm fucking not my sister. <laughs> That's so gross. No, Dave, I I have a feeling. And this is what they should do. I feel like eventually he will get a spinoff. But they need to do it right. 
don't do what you did with the Arrowverse. You know, oh, well, wait, this is the Arrowverse. Don't do what you did with Arrow and the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and all these other things that you just started throwing everywhere. Be smart with the strategy. Give us three or four years of irons on this show. And then once his story has run its course on this series, branch it out to a spinoff. That's the proper way of doing a spinoff. Make sure people can rally behind that character and they really like them. And then you have that built-in audience. And you don't even have to worry about ratings because the chances are new people will watch it and the people that were watching Superman. But if they go too early, they may end up shooting themselves in the foot because there's not that many people that are overly excited for John Irons or Steel because most people don't know who he is. Yeah. The mainstream. So the Eradicator is officially here. We've been waiting for this to happen for several weeks and it's finally arrived and it did not disappoint. The visual effects, the blue emanating from the eyes was a great choice to go with. The casting was perfect. The more that we see what the writers are doing with Edge as a character, the more I realize that he is the perfect casting choice for the Eradicator. Yeah. Whether is. or not this was the original plan for him or uh, is besides the point. They either did a great job of casting or they got super fucking lucky because his body type is just like the Eradicator in the comics. He has the same demeanor. He has that aristocratic vibe, which is also very much on par with Kryptonians in general. I love it. And outside of being cool, how we got here has been intriguing. It has. Todd Helbing and his team, they've done a great job making us feel conflicted when it comes to the character. He's not evil. He grew up lonely and was abused his entire life by his father. Well, dude, that whole final scene of Tauro oh, hearing his father in his head before he, yeah. he basically yep. destroys the crystal. You really do. You're like going, wait a minute. I know Tauro's supposed to be the bad guy, but it's not him. It's the guy talking to him. Right. Is the villain. And it's his father. (laughs) Well, Tauro didn't want to do any of this. He was indoctrinated to hate humanity or at least view them as insignificant. Yes. Uh, But is. But also he's in. But he. (laughs) But also telling uh, the. The, the the fact that the father is telling him basically the only way to do things is his way. Right. Yeah. And hearing that from his father constantly, that is, that, that's, that is so pa- uh, emotional for that character of Tauro that makes you feel sorry for him because yeah. you do see the child inside the man. You know what I mean? Right. And, and giving us Tauro's backstory the character has obviously become by default more interesting, but mm-hmm. he's also become a more significant threat because of his backstory now. His backstory now. And he may not be evil, but his desperation to achieve his goal and not to disappoint daddy is what is going to or did motivate him to do what he needed to do. Now, it was a bit unclear, David, so I'm going to need you here. Are we to believe that Tal Rose's father, because this is what it seemed to me, that Tal Rose's father's 
original plan was for Tal Ro to consume the Eradicator, die, and be reborn as the savior of Krypton. Yes. But when Tal Ro found out about his brother, Kal-El, Superman, he altered the plan against his father's wishes. And what we witnessed this past season was his plan that didn't work out. And Mm -hmm. because of that, he ends up succumbing to his father's plan, which was to consume the Eradicator. Yes. Okay. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it just goes to what me and you have been saying throughout this episode. Tal Ro, yes, physically and and visibly is the villain, but the true villain is who created him. Yes. You know, it's the Dr. Frankenstein argument that who's the real monster. It's not the monster. It's Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. And like, the Dr. Frankenstein in this situation is Tal Ro's father. Well, how perfect was that? And that's why I, I'm a strong believer that we're not supposed to hate Tal Ro because he defied his father. They made it a point to show us that he succumbs to his father every time, that he listens to his father. He cares what his father thinks about him, even though he's lonely and he wants family and he wants access to his mother's crystal. But he continues to listen to his father. Mm-hmm. But when he finds out about his brother, he defies his father. Yes. And he even says he's a hero here. And not like, can you believe it? It's like, I don't want to kill him. Yeah. He's a hero, he's to, a these hero people. to these people. So it suddenly makes you look at him differently. He's not a bad guy. He's no. a guy that has major daddy issues. And has been indoctrinated to hate. You know what's the amazing thing what this series has been able to do? And I actually realized it at the end of this episode. Okay. You know like how they tried to portray Zod in Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. In the very end, they they tried to sympathize him by basically make it, showing him that all he really wanted was to bring back Krypton. Right. Right. And it kind of it kind of hit, but it didn't really make him sympathetic here yeah. they went the same route the same thing what is the what is Tauro's motivation well his motivation is kryptonian kryptonian heritage right to maintain that and the fact of the matter is introducing this element of kal-el as his brother which was very questionable i remember me yeah. you and steve we were like Going, we, this we might be like a jump it. the shark moment. we didn't like it but now, now doesn't it make sense? Now it makes much more sense to the story at hand right now. Yeah. And without adding that, you would get the same feeling that you would have gotten in Man of Steel with Zod. Yeah. So it's amazing that this series was able to do something that a feature film tried to do. Yeah. And the problem with Zod is that he doesn't really have a lot of redeeming qualities and he's the type of character that's not supposed to. Yeah. I don't know if it would work. And that's the reason why it's hard to ever feel conflicted about that character. I mean, Zod is a nationalist and his reason for bringing about, you know, or saving Krypton is more, has everything to do with an elitist spirit and being prejudiced. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Tal Ro, the guy's lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's lonely. That's his problem. 
He grew up alone and he feels unimportant. That is immediately relatable. And it, people and it, can understand that. And he's not prejudiced. He's not an elitist. And he it, just wants to save his family. It's a perfect parallel to Kalel, who's hasn't been alone. He has Lois. He has yeah. his sons. And that's what this, the, it goes back to what the strength of this series has been to try to actually force down. I want to say force down, but basically show to the audience that the strength of a Superman story isn't just Superman. It's the characters around him. It's Lois. It's his sons. It's characters, other heroes like John Henry Irons. Yeah. Those are his strengths. <laughs> yep. That's what makes Clark Superman. Yeah. I agree. It's good stuff. It definitely works. And I had said several episodes ago when we had that reveal that Tal Rowe was the brother of Superman, I had said, I don't like it, but I'm going to reserve my judgment to see how it pans out. And I will say now definitively that it panned out. It panned out. Without, and it worked just fine. Without that element, I think the story honestly would have fell flat. Well, absolutely. It would have felt a little weird for this guy to be pining after someone who's not his brother. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sure, he's a Kryptonian, but he could make other Kryptonians with, with, <laughs> with Eradicator. With Eradicator. So that doesn't matter. What matters is that he has a brother. That's why it worked. All right, so Lois is in a predicament. She finds herself in a conflict of interest due to her job as a journalist, her husband being Superman, and her father as the head of the DOD. Yes. I figured something like this would happen eventually. It, I mean, the, the ingredients were there for chaos. Yes. I mean, she's a journalist. How many secrets can she keep before she becomes compromised? And going back to what seems like the prevailing theme of the season, which we've been saying is trust, right? Mm-hmm. Lois is in the exact same position now as Superman. She has a responsibility that could make it difficult to maintain the trust of the people if she's not careful and she's caught in a lie. Yes. She can undo everything she's worked for as a journalist and lose the trust of the public. If people find out that she is omitting certain things. Yeah. And I like the synergy between those ideas. You know, the idea that both Lois and Clark wield a power that comes with responsibility. One with the pen and one with power. Yes. And like the thing I really liked about particularly this episode in regards to Lois, we finally get to see Lois having to quote, take a back step or retreat instead of leading the charge and winning the day because Lois has been the champion of this entire season thus far. Yeah. She's been the go-to. Everyone looks to her for, you know, support. And in this episode, we finally get to see Lois take a back step. She has to take herself out of it and have, and has to adapt and has to listen to others instead of, for some of the season, it's been everyone's listening to Lois. Now in this episode, we finally get to see Lois has to listen to others, especially that scene between her and Clark, because 
That scene to me, I think, was the most important scene in this entire episode in regards to maintaining the the themes and the story arcs that they've been doing since episode one. And it's to actually show that this relationship of Lois and Clark is just as strong as Superman's powers. Yeah. Because Lois will stop and listen to Clark. It's the perfect relationship, you know, because like, I love her. I want to marry her. I'm going to stay. Any, any moment. It it was like funny because every time they were arguing, I kept thinking they're going to figure this out by the end of the episode, they're going to figure this out. And sure enough, by the end of it, it, all it took was just Clark standing there with Lois and telling him her, his secret so emotionally that it's not Lois, you know, it's not a comic book character re- reacting to another comic book character that I saw. It was a wife re- reacting to her husband. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it felt so real that that was an actual relationship. That's, that's how couples do act. Yeah, I I do like the very grounded, I guess you can say, way they show the family unit. Yeah. And the way they work together as as a team, as, it's and as so partners. Much, it's so much better than their past. You know, this this formula could have been spoiled so well in the Arrowverse, right? Mm-hmm. It could have been in CW verse. It could have gone off the rails. No, but instead we get a bunch of illogical characters that make decisions that make no sense. No sense. And they fight over the most, you know, asinine things. And I'm like, listen, you're getting mad at Oliver. Why the fuck do you not understand that he's up against fucking the world <laughs> and you're giving him grief? God damn it. And then in this one season of Superman at the very end, you have Lois Listening to Clark when Clark tells her, this is my problem. Well, you have have characters who are understandable. Yeah. And they listen and they act like real people and they react to things, how real people would act to them. Mm -hmm. No one's going to take Superman to task or vice versa when you're dealing with the larger than life. No one's going to sweat the small stuff. They're going to worry about the bigger picture of life. And that's why this is so real. And even though they're dealing with the larger than life, at the same time, they're still dealing with the very basic of family issues, like dealing with their kids. And the way Lois comes in and she says, I'm mad at you. I'm sorry for yelling at you, but I need to maintain my madness so I can talk to John. <laughs> so I can get mad at John or something yes, like that. It was so arrested. good. It was written so well. I don't know if that line was written or she ad-libbed it, but it was so It was so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the boys, John can't can't get a break again. I mean, God, times- my poor, my, my, my buddy John, man, he's getting shafted this whole season. How many times have I said that now? Throughout the season, John Kent can't get a break. Can't get a break. He still can't. Even in this episode, episode 13, can't get a break. I seriously thought he was going to get a break finally. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, he deserves this. He deserves- uh, the chick <laughs> likes him. Nope. She was just using him to pump him for information. <laughs> I was like, like, that goddamn bitch. I know. If I was him, I'd be like, listen, you want to know about the DOD? <laughs> so stupid. Uh, yeah, he's a young man who's just lost in a drift, and I feel bad for him. He doesn't know who he is or supposed to be anymore. Well, think about it. He started off as the 
the uh, the golden boy, the golden boy of the family, because he's the high school quarterback, yada yada yada, and suddenly. He doesn't get the powers. Jordan gets the powers. And also, okay, that was the domino that started. Yeah, and because of that, he doesn't feel like he even has a purpose. He, he looks at the family and he sees that they all have a purpose. And here he is kind of just there. And Iron's words to John when he says, you can be more than one thing. That scene will no doubt have meaning very soon. Yeah. What do you think that can possibly mean? Do you think John will find his place before the end of the season? Or do you think he's going to have some type of power or possibly don a suit like irons? Like irons? Could they kind of be? They kind of hinted at that. that. But I, I honestly think I hope they go for a more grounded thing and kind of continue the trend that John's strength is the fact that he is. He, he is the one that has no powers because if you think about it, John, without John, Jordan would have been screwed. Yeah, he's this very whole much needed. Yeah, no, and, you're right. And John and jo- and John is Jordan's keeper. Well, and I'm hoping <laughs> maybe that will give him the purpose he needs. It's been there the whole time. If his brother Jordan were to actually say that to him, like, what do you mean you don't have a point and you're lost? If it wasn't for you. I would have killed people. I would have died possibly <laughs> myself. I mean, you have kept me afloat since this power has manifested itself. And that's what I'm waiting for is that scene. I think that that's going to be in the season finale. Yeah. Where we finally get that. I would rather have a scene like that that's more human than, hey, another character with power. Or here, here's a suit, John. Yeah. <laughs> I will definitely poo-poo on that idea, Dave. I feel like they have a great formula here. Yeah. Now, maybe down the road in a couple seasons, if you want to do something with John Kent that involves power, fine. I understand how shows need to evolve and change a bit. But for now, this works. This works. What they're doing with these characters work. Do not throw a wrench into the mix just because you think you need to. Yeah, especially since then the one story thread that or story arc that they've been throwing around this whole season is there's more ways of doing superhuman or super things or being a hero than just being able to fly and have super strength. Especially with with his mom, with Lois. Maybe he'll be the tech guy and he'll be like Felicity. <laughs> he'll be like he'll be like behind a computer talking okay go okay oh. do this no one's looking go ahead <laughs> yeah, okay, worthless he'll be the nest cisco no no thank you <laughs> so lana lane is getting spicy i love the intensity of these ladies in this show <laughs> I, I really do they take charge so lana and her family are struggling we know that Lana looks like she's about to do something about it because we all know her schlub husband won't do anything but cry and throw tantrums. That's his entire point. I'm thinking, based on what we saw towards the end of the episode, she's going to take on a leadership role of some type in the town. The way they brought the mayor into the episode out of nowhere and Lana really gave it to him, that's probably the obvious direction. Because look at her dedication and love for the town. Refusing to turn her back on them. Even though she's talking about how this isn't the family or the town she grew up with. Or she's, he's, she's known her entire, her entire life. The fact that they contrasted. The fact that she has the true um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? She's the one who truly cares about the town versus the mayor who's playing politics politics yeah and lying and playing both sides and that's the that was that was the one of the coolest scenes is when lana stands up for herself right and i feel like there's more to that scene than just simply hey i'm not gonna take it anymore i'm gonna stand up to the mayor because he's a lying scumbag with a punchable face i have a feeling that they're going to lead her into a position of power it's probably not going to happen this season but in order to keep her relevant it would make sense to make her the mayor yeah of yeah. Of Smallville. I think that would be cool, honestly, is like taking a character like that and kind of making it her important to what we've always, in comic books, we've always connected Lana Lang to Smallville. That yeah, is, she's synonymous with Smallville. Absolutely. She is the thing, she is that one thread that connects Clark to Smallville, is Lana. And for her to actually gain that leadership role, would be actually really awesome, especially since, you know, like that that moment when she uh, tells Lois that, you know, essentially she's always had this town's back. And mm-hmm. now she feels that the, the town has turned their backs on her. Yeah, she's going to become mayor and then she's uh, yeah. going to give her shitty husband his job back. Like, Here you go. <laughs> be a fire chief. Oh, shut the fuck up. God, you're a little bitch. <laughs> I hope she backheads him. <laughs> You want Lana to divorce him yeah, by the I, end of this? Time. I do. He's worthless. <laughs> He's worthless. As a writing device, He's fine. I understand what they're doing with this character. But as so a character. Not, I don't actually, I, I don't want people to mistake my griping about his character as me complaining about their writing of his character. I understand what they're doing with him. I just dislike his personality. Yeah. I think he's a little bitch. I keep, I keep wanting to see Kyle turn into a villain. I really do. Listen, I would not shed a tear, but from a writing standpoint, I don't know if I want that. Although, where else do you take this? Where do you take Kyle? Yeah. That's the thing. I kept thinking to myself is like, where do you go with a character like this? Yeah. Which, you know, I feel that the the only progression to it is like, you got to turn him evil. Absolutely evil. Well, we'll see. All right, let's go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into our final thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Would you care to step outside? Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. 
All right, welcome back, everyone, to DC on RMD, the Superman and Lois edition. Be sure to find us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. We need those in order to keep the show going. It triggers the algorithms that are needed so that our show is seen by more people. All right. David, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm going to give this episode a uh, 90%. Okay. I really liked it. I liked the play of scenes between all the characters that were in play here. I mean, I, I even liked the the scenes between Clark and uh, John Henry Irons. I love the scenes between Clark and uh, Tal Rowe. But honestly, my favorite moment is the final scene and the buildup between Lois and Clark. Because it really show it continues the strength that I love about this show is like showing that Superman is great with his powers, but his true strength is in his family. It's in his relationship with Lois. It's his connection to it's his connection to humanity. Yes. And which encompasses Lois and his family. And his family. Yes. And I even I even a couple of the past episodes, I've been kind of wavering on the whole uh, Lana Lang's family and some of the Jordan and John stuff, but this episode it hit a perfect mixture. It it really got it together between moving their stories along, but not you know overly doing it, not making it overly cheesy. You know, the CW way, <laughs> right? So honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire season, and it gets a solid ninety for me. Okay. I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really good. There was just so much greatness going on throughout. I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg. I believe we have two episodes left. And when I say the tip of the iceberg, I don't feel like we're going to have a cut and dry ending. Yeah. I don't think so either. There's going to be resolve. Absolutely. But there's going to be a cliffhanger. There's going to be something. That lingers. I mean, if they're good at their job, they're going to do that regardless because you want people to be enticed to watch the next season. Yes. So the Eradicator can't die. He's way too big no, dude, in the Superman he world. Can't. He can't. To be defeated. They will Defeat him, yes. He yeah. should be defeated, but I, he can't be When I be say killed. defeated, I mean, I mean die. But yeah, yeah, they're going to find a way to put him away this season, I'm sure. Or perhaps he escapes, but they are able to write it in such a way that it feels like a win. They could do that as well. Shit's going to hit the fan. And I love what this episode did to help us get there, to get us ready for that. I'm going to give this an 89%. I will contact Steve or we'll get his score for the next discussion for episode 13 as well. Because he's uh, on vacation, I believe. That's why he wasn't here today. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. This does bring us to the end. Thank you, David. Thank you. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 